Welcome to Open to Hope Radio with your host, mother-daughter team, Dr. Gloria and Dr. Heidi Horsley. This show is brought to you by the Open to Hope Foundation with the mission of helping people find hope after loss. This show has been edited for your convenience. Now, Open to Hope Radio. Today, our topic is when grief goes to work, and our guest is Tony Sims. Tony is a bereaved parent, sibling, and child. He is a retired military officer, having served in both combat and peacetime operations. He has led public and private corporations, including nursing homes and VA hospitals. Using his personal and professional experiences, he has developed programs to help the corporate world accommodate the needs of grieving employees. He has He has written policy, created responsive programs, and implemented grief support systems in both government and the private sector. Tony has helped produce books, tapes, and other grief materials and is currently the Chief Executive Officer for Grief, Inc. Tony, along with his wife, Darcy, and daughter, Allie, have helped thousands of grieving families by sharing their memories of the brief life of their son and brother, Big A. Welcome to the show, Tony. Hi. Hi, it's great to have you on the show today. I've got to tell you, Tony, when I'm reading your bio, I smiled as soon as I read Big A in capitals. (laughs) I love that name. Well, we called him Big A because he was really very, very small. Oh, okay. And uh, so that was our little name for him. So we actually started our company called Big A and Company to publish uh, Alicia's book. That's our original effort was uh, Big A and Company. Well, could you tell us a little bit? We're going to have to go to break in just a minute. Um, could well, I'm wondering? I think it's a little bit too. Uh, we don't have enough time to talk too much about Big A, but let's talk about your company a little bit, and then let's talk about Big A after break. Okay. And well, you've got a company, Grief Incorporated. Uh, Grief Incorporated grew out of the company Big A and Company, which started in 1986. To, it was originally started to uh, publish our daughter's book. And it has grown, and in uh, 2000, we uh, incorporated as Grief Incorporated, and Grief Incorporated also owns the Grief Store, American Grief Academy, and we put grief stores into either funeral homes or standalone areas in various parts of the country so that books, videos, audios, and memorial items are available to people who are grieving and really don't have the energy, knowledge, and ability, wherewithal, to go out and find these things in the nooks and crannies where they might exist, if they exist at all in that community. Talk to us about how you got into the grief field and about your son, Big A. Well, our son died in a military hospital. and There was no support at that time, uh, especially in the military. For, what year was this? This was in 1975. Okay. And there was no support, and we were left to our own devices and the, we were in a location specifically because of the medical su- support, and as soon as he died, then we no longer had need to be in that area, so they sent me back to another base where I knew no one and no one knew our history, so we were literally in the wilderness alone. Mm-hmm. And so we had to find our own ways to cope with that grief in an environment that was not supportive Mm -hmm. and so it was business as usual and we had to you know it's it's so interesting tony that that environment's not supportive because the army has to deal with people dying all the time i mean it's part of 
Well, I, I guess I would wonder if the Army is kind of like pick yourself up by your bootstraps, suck it up. I, I don't know. Well, the armed force is kind of unusual. Uh, when there is a death, uh, like a combat death, you have a uh, very formal short... A what death? Uh, like a combat death. Oh, a combat death, yeah, okay. A line of duty death. Yes. You have a short, very formal ceremony, and the survivors are, are given death benefit checks, and they used to be given 30 days to clear from quarters and then buy. Mm. Yeah. Uh, the business about the military taking care of itself only applies to the military families taking care of each other mm. because the military doesn't really or did not really accommodate that. They have improved very slightly over the past 30 or so years, but uh, not appreciably. It's, it's not noticeable from the outside. Now, Tony, would you think that that is that related to the fact that um, – what I'm thinking is you don't want to scare people. I mean, death is not what you want to focus on. You want to focus on the heroism and taking care of our country and keep people moving and not dwell on negatives. Is that kind of why, or or is it just time and money, or what? Well, see, I, I know you're you're sitting there writing a segue for me, but it's a perfect segue to this, the topic at hand, which is that it's disruptive to the workplace. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. And so anything that's disruptive to the workplace is filtered out. Mm-hmm. And we don't think that accommodating that is going to be appropriate to the workplace, which is really not correct. Mm-hmm. Because? Because the most important and most expensive asset that any business has is invested in the people that serve the company. Mm-hmm. When we were working with Toyota Motor Manufacturing Kentucky in teaching their managers grief in the workplace, the chief executive officer was sitting down in front, and he knew down to the penny how much it cost to bring a new entry-level employee on board before the first time they were productive. Mm-hmm. It was very easy for him to take that amount and compute how many employees would cost by saving those employees, how much it would cost to run a program and what the cost-benefit analysis would be without really getting into a computer. The cost of replacing a mid-level employee or a senior-level employee goes up exponentially, and so it doesn't take long to figure out that paying attention to these issues is of high importance because those employees, and here's an axiom, Write this down. <laughs> okay. There'll be a test later. Okay. Is that you can the employer can only expect employees to be as loyal to the company as they perceive the company to be loyal to them. Mm-hmm. With Toyota, they had they put a, a system together that helped people who were grieving the death of a family member. Now, how did they decide to do that? I mean, were you involved, or did they, they perceive that they needed it, or how, do, how did that happen? This actually occurred before we were involved. Mm-hmm. One of the things that occurred that actually I think was the impetus that caused this to actually come to fruition was that they had a senior vice president from Japan who came to visit the United States and toured various plants. And he was a guy that got down on the floor and elbow to elbow with people who were working on the assembly line and 
because of that, people developed a, a personal connection with this guy. Mm-hmm. On one of his travels, the plane on which he was flying didn't make its destination. They ended up with lots of grieving employees, ah. which got their attention. Uh-huh. Then they started to put this together, and only Toyota uh, of Kentucky actually put this program into effect because they had the autonomy to do that. And they put in this program they call Outreach. At that time, it was under the Human Resources Department, and it was sort of like the Employee Assistance Program, and it was connected in that way. Hmm. When we were teaching the class... Now, how did we were, you get into teaching? Did they reach out to you, or did you reach out to them? Or Well, there was a network of connections that people ended up calling us, and we went out and did it. Mm-hmm. Then we were teaching the class, and as I said, the CEO was in the front row, and a line guy was in the back row. And we were talking about using the services through the Human Resources Department, and the CEO in the front is is nodding his head, yes, this is a good thing. The guy in the back is saying, no, we would never use that program because it's like the stigma. Right. And, it and then people me, might spend their time crying at work or something. Is it? Well, it reminded me of working in uh, with nuclear weapons in the military. I had a big thing in my medical record that said that I was, you know, if for some reason I was uh, in need of mental health issues or medication or whatever, then I was going to be grounded and it was like career. This was after Big A died. Right. Uh But uh, mental health services were never really available to people who were using, you know, they were working in nuclear weapons or high technical areas because it was just absolutely not, not something that you would do. And this same kind of stigma was applying in this industrial complex and because of that, they moved it right under the, the, the chief executive officer instead of in human resources so that it was understood that it was an appropriate thing to use, which was a very effective thing for them to do. Mm-hmm. So, so this uh, was a way of empowering their employees who had children die and helping them move on rather than disabling them. And, and normalizing therapy, right? It, well, it was normalizing, not necessarily therapy, but it was normalizing the the process and, uh, and recognizing that grief is occurring and that grief will be disruptive in the workplace, okay. but supporting that employee makes that employee stronger, mm-hmm. more loyal to the company. Mm-hmm. I like that loyal. I'm sure the company loves that loyal thing. Yeah. Well, because they now are, cons- are, are feeling that they are more than just a number. Right. They are meaningful enough that they have this program to support them. Mm-hmm. Well, and if you don't support people through their grief, you you end up with employees that have health problems, that are missing work, productivity decreases, and the bottom line is the company makes less money if that happens. Well, and there's another, there was another issue there, too, is okay. that Toyota of Kentucky is non-union, and they're doing everything possible to attract their employees to stay non-union and stay working for them. And an employee who works in a manufacturing area might be motivated to move to plant B for 20 cents an hour. Right. Mm -hmm. But if you tie all these intrinsic benefits together so that that employee feels like it's better for them to stay there, even if the money isn't the same, you win. Absolutely. That's so interesting because, you know, um, 
as you know and as our guests know out there, those first year at work is really, you're probably not as productive, but it takes a year to retrain anybody anyway. Well, it does take quite a bit of time in in different amounts of time depending upon the level of employee that you lose. Right. Right. So the small amount of investment that is taken to support that person and make them feel comfortable through the process and give them those few things that they need, and they don't need a lot. What What do they need? What they really need. What what are our folks out there? They've been bereaved for two years. What do they need from work, or what do they need? People need a supportive healing environment where people can, where they feel comfortable talking about it or having a a bad day if they need to, and we do have those days, then they know that management is not going to make it an issue to them. You also need a little bit of flexibility because we have a, we have a, a wrong name for something. We have something in business that people call bereavement leave. Mm-hmm. Well, we need to, to erase that from all personnel manuals. All you personnel managers out there, get your eraser out and erase that out of the manual. Uh-huh. Because it is really not bereavement leave. It's funeral leave. Mm-hmm. Some businesses have three days, and some businesses like Toyota had changed it after our training to five days. Wait, three days of bereavement leave? Three to five days of bereavement leave, you're saying? Three days is sort of common. Five wow. days is, is is considered by many to be generous, That's and they call amazing. it bereavement leave. But anybody that has ever been involved with grief knows that bereavement isn't going to start until sometime later because... First of all, it's like putting on a wedding. You're doing this in about three days. Mm-hmm. You end up being more of a host or a hostess during this process than you do working on anything that looks like your own grief work. So this is just time to get all the uh, the many details done for all the people that came in from out of town and you've put them all up and they've come to a, a ceremony and you've done all of this stuff and then all of a sudden they're gone and you've got a house to clean because they left all these dishes around. And then the real grief work begins. Well, and then you're expected to go back to work. Mm-hmm. When our son died, I was in the armed forces, and the, he died and we had a funeral, and I got I actually got Friday off, Saturday and Sunday, and right. Monday morning I went in and talked to the, I had an appointment with the general, and they uh, sent me over. Uh, on Tuesday, actually, I went over to Monday. I found out about the appointment. Tuesday, I went to talk to the general, and they sent me in to talk to the vice commander, and he put me on honors. So I was the officer who took the flag from the pit crew and walked over my son's grave every day for about three months. Oh, this was gosh. supposed to be helpful to me in working through my grief. Wow. And every day, I put on the, the super sharp, shiny, spit and polish uniform to go to the cemetery, I would first start by throwing up. Uh-huh. It was not a real healing environment. But uh, you you start your grief work much later on. That is when the employer has an opportunity to make a good impression. First of all, in Toyota, for instance, they are standing by you and helping you through this process. They have somebody there that is... They bring you baskets to help you out. They'll do things like help you go shopping. They'll help you do lots of things that you need, and each one of them is individually tailored to your need at the time. It's 
not like there's a, a cookie cutter out there. Mm-hmm. Cookie cutter is not caring. Right. Okay. Now, what 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 can people out there who are at work now and it's not supporting them? What do you suggest? Well, first of all, what they do though is they they go through this process and then after the funeral, they are there to help out and they also will be an intermediary to help you to be sure that you get use of your your sick leave and your annual leave for the times that you need to have a personal day to deal with this stuff knowing that you might not be 100% productive following this because of your attention span, because you're grieving, and all of those sorts of things. So it's, it's more supportive that way. If you are in an environment that does not support you, uh, good luck. One of the big that, things that you need to do is to, it's to train your employer, starting with your supervisor, in grief. Mm-hmm. And that's... That's a really tough thing because we don't deal with grief until it's upon us, and that's not a really good time for us to learn a, an extremely complex coping skill. And it's really not a good time to us to learn how to be an educator and to teach our supervisor how to cope with us. Now, what would yeah, what would you say to somebody? What are the small things that they could say to their supervisor now that may teach them a little bit on how to treat them? I mean, I, I'm thinking one of the things that they might be able to say to them is that I sometimes may have to sit by the door and leave a meeting. I mean, is that possible to say something like that? Well, if you have a good relationship with your supervisor, and unfortunately there aren't all that many people that have that kind of really good, close relationship with a supervisor, there should be more of that, and that's usually a management issue. Uh, but you have to be able to speak frankly with your supervisor because each and every person is going to deal with grief in a completely different way than every other person. It's actually it's exactly the same, only completely different. How's that? Well, yeah. some people immerse themselves in work, right? And that's how they cope. And that's, that's not necessarily good either. Okay. Right, and that, and that comes up later. But one of the things um, I have always suggested to people under stress is that um, the bathroom's always a great place. <laughs> And if you have to get up and go to the bathroom, excuse yourself, people understand that. And I suggest to people that they go in, get some cold water, splash it on mm-hmm. their face, wash their hands, look out the window, take a drink, take a breath, you know, and uh, just a little step like that can can be uh, a helpful thing to do. But also, um, if you are a person who, uh, one thing that I think you can educate other people about, and as Tony said, you may have to have a fairly good relationship with them, but on the other hand, you may just say it, and that's this. If I cry, I want you to know that I will be all right. You, there's nothing you need to do for me. Just I'll do it, and then I'll be fine. I'm not, I'm not going to fall apart. I'll be fine. Mm-hmm. But know. not necessarily just cry. I may have issues that I have to deal with that may not be comfortable to people around me. Right. And there may be crying. It may be some other uh, way of acting through that that process because you don't know what that's going to be until it happens. Right. Well, like I, what? Like anger? Like when you say another way. I have no idea what's okay. going to happen to me if I went through that kind of uh, issue again, even though I have gone through it in the past mm-hmm. because it will be a different relationship and I will respond differently. Right. And the things I do, I may not be a comfortable co-worker for a while. Right. And if yes. you can understand that, it's because I am having to learn all over how to live in my skin mm-hmm. and how to be me 
and working with the employees around me is going to be a difficult process added on top of that. It's a layering situation. But I will be all right. So, so I maybe will be even fine. telling your, your employee, that your, the people you work with this, not just the supervisor, but people that work. Yeah. People need to be reassured mm-hmm. that yes, you're going to be fine. And also that it's not about them. If you're if you are blowing up and have a short fuse, maybe it's about your ang- your grief. Yeah, exactly. I remember uh, my you know our son was killed 22 years ago, but uh, 10 years ago, a very close uh, my husband's partner died, and uh, his employees, uh, I they didn't call me. I went over to the office, and a couple of them pulled me aside, and he, they said, "Is your husband going to be all right?" Mm-hmm. And I said to them, "He is going to be just fine. He's fine." And they were okay after that. They well, were scared. He's, he's as fine as he can be, and he was. Yeah. He's not no, but the, the, I, I said that he's just going through grieving. Right, exactly. You know, if he's quiet, if he's a little different, he'll he'll snap back. Don't worry right. about it. And that's where this education process comes in, is that grief is messy, and grief does yeah. not uh, fit into that work environment mm-hmm. comfortably. It's It's... Not a good employee relationship when you have grief because it's it's a monkey wrench in the whole process. Mm-hmm. So, and you, one of the things I was thinking about, you were saying that um, if you have an advocate, somebody to advocate for you at work, I was thinking if you don't, you can find somebody, maybe somebody else that works with you can advocate for you. You can let them been, know what's going on. You can develop your own advocate. Well, if someone's been through it, I think they would be very understanding. One easy way, one small way, uh, it's, it's very subtle, but in the old days, we used to wear a black armband to tell yes, people. Right. And it was like a big warning, you know, this guy's got a badge, uh-oh, he's, he's in grief and probably needs some support. Right. So Darcy talks about uh, limping a little bit and people have a little more sympathy for you. <laughs> well, we don't wear those anymore, but uh, we have something we use, a, a warning awareness pen. It's like a little uh, lapel pen. Mm-hmm. and People will ask you about it like they ask you about all of the other awareness pens, uh, the ones they don't know. I mean, if they see a pink one now, they don't ask. They already know. But when they see the black pen, they might ask you what that's about. And you say, I am grieving the death of. And now that's an entree for someone to talk about it. That's an entree for you to share and build a little bit of a bridge there. Right. It's a subtle way, but it's it's a way that that tells people that there is something going on here, I'm going to be okay, but I'm not okay right now. But I, I will be okay. That's what they That's what they want to hear. They're, I like they're scared. And I a like lot that. Of, a lot of people in New York wore those after 9-11, little yeah. 9-11. Well, we, we sent a bunch of them there. So. I like that. that now, was. where do you get those, Tony? Uh, we have them. Okay, well, tell our audience where, how they get them. Well, if you go to www.griefstore.com, they're really expensive. They're two bucks a piece. <laughs> <laughs> and the the whole concept is that they'd be out there and, and helpful to people and a way for people to identify that they're either supportive of people who are grieving or that they are grieving. And, and they need support. It's just a little, a little bit of a tool, just a tiny tool, and the expense is not an issue that way. Well, one of the big things, uh, when I was a, a public health administrator, I had one employee who died, and I was at a meeting about uh, 150 miles away. When I got the information about that, I told my staff, I said, we are going back. Nothing here is more important than getting back to the uh, district. 
We mm-hmm. drove back, got in about 10 o'clock that night. Uh, on the way over, of course, we had a couple of hours to plan our attack, and we dealt with it in the appropriate manner that this was important. This was of high enough importance that we could have we should have a down day for people to go to uh, whatever services or pay their respects to this, to tell people that this was important enough for us to care. Mm-hmm. And people, oh, and we also had a meeting with everyone and told them everything we could, you know, without uh, violating privacy or any of those issues, so that people knew what was going on and nothing was a secret. Mm-hmm. So I hate no, secrets. I do hate secrets because they disrupt a staff and a team more than anything else. By being honest and open with everyone, everyone had the feeling of how important it was that we support that family and we support each other for everyone who knew that person who died. So you're so, so you're saying, yeah. So you're saying to people out there, don't hide it. Let right. people know. Pull people aside that you know. If you don't have a supervisor who you feel like you can pull aside, pull other side, maybe try to get an advocate. Uh, tell people that, again, that you're going to be okay, but right, you're going to, you're going to go through a tough time so right. they know. All of those things, though, will help to support that family. But yeah, but remember, we're talking to the family, not yeah. the professionals. We're talking to the family right now on this show. Well, yeah, we're talking about... The yeah. family of the person who died. I know, but we're him. talking to those families right now, not uh, business right. people. Yeah, so and we're also yeah. supporting our own team. So the, it's a win-win situation. Nobody right. loses here. Right. Exactly. Exactly. And it's not about that. It's a, don't you think that a lot of this whole thing is about people being afraid? And I was you thinking know? that too, Mom. I think people are afraid of grief and they don't know what to say and they don't know how to act and they're afraid to even approach the subject at work they're afraid someone's going to fall apart well yes they are and they it's because again we don't learn about it until it's upon us and that's not a really good time to learn a new skill but we're having to educate people as we go along and that's what we're trying to do is to educate employers so that they can be more supportive of those employees in their workplace. Now, if you're in a in a business right now, Tony, and uh, they haven't done anything and uh, you'd like to get involved as an advocate for your business, maybe you've lost a child and, and you don't want what happened to you to happen to other people, mm-hmm. how would they go about bringing um, your organization or some kind of something into the workplace? Well, the best way is you develop that like you do any other thing that you're trying to influence in your workplace. You do it through networking. You do it through your contacts, your professional and personal contacts within your organization. And you build a consensus that says, we would like to do this. How can we do that? And then you know, we can help you with the research and the pieces that you need to put it together to make it effective. We being Grief well, Incorporated? We can, yes. Is that what it's called? And, and how would they get a hold of you? Well, they can get a hold of us on the Internet with at www.griefinc.com or they can call us at 888-564-6018. We're you want to repeat that one about more? Numbers are always good twice. <laughs> okay, that's 888-564-6018. And we're usually here from about 10 till 5 or 6 p.m. Pacific time, whether that's standard or daylight, depends on the time of year, and we're willing to answer questions anytime we're here. That's that's what we do. 
That's great. We have, we have an ulterior motive in our company, and that is that we're trying to make resources, information, and products available to people as they were not available to us. So that's our mm-hmm. artillery. How, how do you think you got through? How did you get through the whole thing? You went out, you threw up, and we've got somebody doing that right now. How did you get? Do you have any advice for somebody who's right there right now, and they're in an and uh, not that great a supportive environment? Yeah, because you said you felt like you were in the wilderness alone. At that, uh, you don't want to do it the way I did it. <laughs> <laughs> We made we made every error known to man with regard to inappropriately dealing with our grief, and we somehow muddled through and figured out how to make it happen, and we did it just by sheer perseverance, uh, relationship-wise, personal-wise, uh, professionally. Everything we did, we did by just muddling through, and we made... So it was trial more, and error. Say again? It was trial and error. You just and we made many more errors than we did do correct mm-hmm. things. And so what we're trying to do is to help people not make the same kind of errors that we did before. People will tell you to to change everything. People tell you not to change anything. I would say, you know, don't change anything until you've got your head on straight. Uh, and stay in the game. Don't step out with, uh, you know, people will want to give you sedatives because they want you to not be disruptive. Don't take those. You know, don't take any... Uh, thing that's going to delay mm-hmm. your feeling and your ability to work through the grief. Mm-hmm. If you mask it with substances of any kind, you're not doing yourself any good because you cannot work through grief if you're not there. Right. Yeah. Good point. And so you have to deal with it. It's like paying a bill. If you pay the bill early, you have lots of choices as to how to pay that bill. The later you go, the choices are taken away from you and they become somebody else's choice. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden that bill will come due and you'll have to pay it in the way that it has to be paid at that moment. And it can that's, actually get harder because you can actually owe more if you delay the process too long. And that's what grief is all about. That's a, that's a great analogy because, um, yeah, let it let it out there and let people know in, in appropriate ways. And we're going to have to close the show today. Yep. And uh, we know you're taking your grief to work, and we uh, hope that you've gotten some ideas from this. And uh, certainly Tony's left himself open to having him give you a call, having, yeah, you give him a call and uh, or email him, and you can also email us. And thank you so much, Tony, for being on the show. We really appreciate it. You're entirely welcome, and thank you for having me. You and your wife and uh, daughter do a great job. You have been listening to Open to Hope Radio. You can sign up for our newsletter, Facebook, and Twitter on our homepage at opentohope.com.